Il est inutile d'attendre 24 heures et je n'ai aucun conseil à demander. C'est tout décidé, je sais ce que j'ai à dire. C'est non, non, en aucun cas. Hi, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm all right, ready. all right. Mm. I keep forgetting this is not actually our Christmas episode. It is not our Christmas episode. Nope. We should have started. We should start it. Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, you old podcast! Oh! You so old many Jimmy Stewart impressions are going to happen. Building alone! I was actually purposely not old going. movie house! I was going to try not yeah, to do Yeah, you did real good. 58 seconds. Uh, not even that. Not uh, even. She doesn't, no, we're not. Hi, everybody! Hi, everybody! <laughs> Not actually your Christmas episode. November Fools. November Fools. (laughs) The hell's wrong with us? (laughs) I'm going to have another one of those when I get home tonight. I don't blame you. Um, I will drink half that six pack. If everybody saw, I will probably finish mine tonight. If everybody saw on our Facebook page last Saturday, it's a what do you expect? (laughs) Well, I thought you would have had it with the light on, but whatever. Put light on. What are you talking about? When the overhead lights were on. But the overhead lights are weird. I, whatever. So anyways, if you haven't, Anywho. Known, if you haven't noticed, uh, last week, Saturday, uh, I posted a picture of us watching It's a Wonderful this, Life. I wanted to say what the movie was. You can still say no, it. it's fine. Tell your so story. welcome to episode 86 of uh, Top Show VFI. Oh my God, this is, is it it's really a wonderful, 86? It's 87. <laughs> yes, it's 80, episode 87. <laughs> By the way, we should also try to keep this episode fairly clean. Yes, we will. Because it is did a I family say bad words? movie. No, I did. I'm sorry, I said a bad word already. What did you say bad? I think I said hell. I don't oh, think it's that big of a deal. That's fine. So, I promise I won't say much else. Seven times a son of a gun. Yes. He says that at one point in the movie. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, you do your stuff. Sorry, I was okay. interrupting you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to what is probably one of my all-time favorite movies on this list. So far, I think it's better than Goodfellas, in my opinion, which is saying something because we all know how much I love to Goodfellas. I would have done a spit take if I wasn't surrounded by my electronics (laughs) and you. I would have. Oh, my iPad's on sound because I I was typing. I would have spit water on you. We watched the 1946 holiday classic. Classic. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Part two Clarence's Revenge. Clarence is like, damn it, where's my wings? No, wasn't it Tootsie 2, The Reckoning? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Holy crap. I don't remember that at all. Uh, There's something like that. It was something, The Reckoning. I'm pretty sure it's in the notes somewhere. It probably is. It's there. Anyway, we watched It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. Rated PG. Mm. PG? You know why? Because they share a bed. (laughs) Rated PG. Two hours and ten minutes long. It is a drama family, apparently, fantasy film. Eh, the whole, like... I would say holiday. But, the, but I guess, okay, The whole, like, Christmassy alternate timeline. Because it is technically, like, an alternate dimension. Only, doesn't film. only last, like, 45 minutes take place yeah. at Christmas in yeah. reality? Yeah. Like, the very beginning and the very end. Yep. And then there's, like... Now we're 45 in between. We were having this discussion. Discussing. Discussing? We was having this discussion online earlier. No, we were having this discussion while we were watching the movie that back in eighth grade, I remember 
uh, somebody coming into one of my classes because during holiday seasons we watch Christmas movies. And one of these people, one of these kids in my class came in going like, I don't know why we're watching this movie. What? But the- it's, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, there is a, yes, there's, yes, hold on, hold on. We will get to that in a second. But I remember somebody coming in. I know about that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, actually. I think that's already been canceled. Um, No, but there was somebody coming into the class who asked, like, I don't know why we're watching this stupid and black and white old movie that the teachers said it's about Christmas, but I don't see anything about Christmas. It's because they were watching this movie and it only got halfway through it. And halfway through it, there's no Christmas. There's nothing Christmassy in it. So if you watch this movie, if you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, and you watch this movie at Christmas time. And you're like, why the hell is this a Christmas movie? You have to keep watching it. You can't just judge 45 minutes into the movie. Because then you're stupid. Lindsay, the reason you were complaining, that movie has been pretty much canceled. I'm like almost in tears. I know you are. It was going to follow Zuzu. I know. It's a Wonderful Life, colon, the rest of the story. Slated for 2015. Yep. George Bailey's grandson is forever changed when his aunt Zuzu, played by the original Zuzu, comes back as an angel and reveals how much better the world would have been if he had never been born. I'm sorry, what? Yes, it was supposed to show that actually George not being born would have been a better idea. Right, wasn't that what it said? No. Who was not born? If the grandson had never been born. Yes, 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 sorry, not George. Yeah, no, that, uh, that, that... Did I say a swear word earlier when I found this? Did I say what the F? I don't think so. Okay, because I just nearly said <laughs> F that. I am disgusted in this right now. What is... Um. Oh my gosh. It was going to be made by a second party. Like, because Paramount owns It's a Wonderful Life. Good! And it was going to be a second company, but Did the thing they is, sue them? Paramount... Is like uh, we hold the rights to the char- to the original movie, which technically means they are un. They can't use the character make- names. No. Um, and I remember them. I remember like it going into this. Like Paramount like spoke up and like attacked when it because this was last year. This was about this time last year that this was announced. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm trying to look at the news right here, trying to remember what actually ended up happening. But I'm almost positive Paramount. Uh, hold on. Uh, oh, no project, this is Paramount, spokesman, no project relating to It's a Wonderful Life can proceed without a license from Paramount. To date, these individuals have not obtained any of the necessary rights, and we would take all appropriate steps to protect those rights. Good. A.K.A. Paramount would sue the butts Shut off of them. down. To stop it. I am um, offended. However, the people who are in charge of it, of the sequel, claim... That they spent a lot of time, money, and research that leads us to believe that we are clear on any infractions of the copyright. Which is bullcrap. Keep in mind, no one wants the sequel. No. Nobody. Yeah. It's literally, what, 80 years late? No. 1946 to 2014. 70 years later. It would, yeah, it would be 68 years old. 69, because it would be next year. That's true, true, true. Yeah, no, it's, it's... That is disgusting. I'm upset that we started the episode in this way. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. I'm disgusted. I remember there being more stories regarding it. Don't, don't rub Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I'll look at him on my uh, own page. I know you will. Uh, no, like, I remember there being articles relating to the fact that it's not happening. Like, that that article hits, and within two weeks, somebody posted like that it's not going to. I like the Anatomy of a Murder on Netflix. You should watch it. I think it is. I, think I, I remember just, that poster. I think it is. 
Because I think it's next to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington in my queue. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, um, any uh, additional material? Uh, you continue with the uh, the opening. We're still in the opening, Lindsay. Lindsay. Hmm. Lindsay. Hmm. Jimmy Stewart, turn off Dexter Haven. <laughs> he's not. He's Macaulay. I know he's not. He's he's the other guy. He's Macaulay. Uh, continue your. Come on. Okay. It's <laughs> a wonderful life. Nineteen forty-six. Eight point seven out of ten. There is no meta score. Uh, an angel helps a compassionate but despairingly frustrated businessman by showing what life would have been like if he had never existed. Directed by Frank Capra, written by Francis Goodrich, Albert Hackett, Frank Capra, and based on a story by Philip Van Doren Stern. Roger Ebert gave it a four star. Good. Um, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel oh. Barrymore, Thomas Mitchell, Henry Travers, Beulah Bondi, Frank Phelan, Ward Bond, Gloria Graham, and H.B. Warner. Donna, I did everyone who had a picture. Donna Reed. No one. Okay, Frank Albertson has a picture. Donna Reed makes me happy. <laughs> I am fairly attracted to Donna Reed. She's very. Jeff cute. feels about Donna Reed the way I feel about um, Jimmy Stewart. It's very true, actually. It is very, very true. She's a very attractive woman. Oh, by the way, Lindsay, we didn't actually specify. Welcome to um, number twenty on the list. Yeah, sorry, this is number twenty <laughs> on the list. We have hit the top twenty. It's official. We're there. It's exciting. Yep. This is exciting. Um, wow, H.B. Warner was really old. He was born in 1875. So he was basically supposed to be the same age as Uncle and Billy. He, yeah, he died in 1958. He was 83 years old. Lived a good life. He did. Well, lived a long life. For that life. age? Yeah. Lived a for long that time, life. Yeah. that's a long time. He was a rarity. All right. Uh, well, let's move Do on. Do we want to talk about our feelings on this movie, or are we leaving it for discussion? Do we actually need to talk about our feelings for this movie? To. We had a five-minute conversation. Because I felt like I was going to vomit when I saw the sequel. Exactly. <laughs> um, we could we could do a quick summary. No, I don't think we need to. I don't like the summary in IMDb, by the way. By the way, did you have your kind of witty thingy? Or no. No? Nothing? No. By the way, I would like to state that I went into this movie not expecting to have any stuff and things with Jeff. Because but we did. I came up with a couple. Yeah. I have a crap ton of inflationation too. I have a couple of issues with this movie. We talked about it. <laughs> we'll get to it in this. It's nothing major. Nothing major. It it's very, just, it's more funny than it. It was all very. It's all. It's mostly funny. It's very dramatic. I have a couple issues with this movie. Number one. Why is Donna so it's much longer? It's not long enough. It's not long enough. Why isn't this movie four films in a saga? Why isn't this like the longer. Godfather? I right. want to know more about Peter and his raise, his rise to the uh, building right. and loan. <laughs> I want the George. I want all the missing years between George being twelve yeah. and the end of the movie. I want to see what happens with Zuzu as she gets older. My impersonation. That's creepy. My. <laughs> Get Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I couldn't tell. It was Clint Eastwood, and then it slipped a little bit into Batman. It <laughs> Just is. a little bit. A little bit of Batman. So, all right, well, let me do the awards, because the awards are very quick, yep. and then you can get back to your trivia, yep. and then I can blow through all my inflation nations. I don't want to blow through this episode. I'm not going to blow through it. I'm just going to say I'll go through it. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. 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 All right, awards. This film had a total of thir- no, 12, can't add, 12 <laughs> award nominations, five Oscars. It's nominated four. It did not win any, any of the of Oscars that it was nominated for. Um... So here are the ones, and I'm actually, I'm also attempting to look up the Oscars that 
it went up against, okay. so that way I can have that up there as well. Because uh, I don't remember if we ever talked. I don't. Ah, uh, yes, we did actually. Is it Mister Goodbye, Mister Chips? No, it is not Goodbye, Mister. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> Goodbye, Mister Chips won awards multiple years. <laughs> Picture in 1942 and 1946 and 1943. I like why I get super mad about it. Is this goodbye, Mr. Chips? What the hell is wrong with this? It's been everywhere when I said that just now. This is why I wear coats. This is the loudest loudest that the waveform has been in ages, too, mind you. No, Lindsay, it is not goodbye, Mr. Chips. Chips. Don't worry. And listeners at home, it is not goodbye, Mr. Chips. You guys can also relax. You can get you can you can lower the butcher knife. It's fine. No death's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna keep going with this, okay. Uh, <laughs> this is just a view into what the Christmas is gonna be. <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> We have reached rich critical mass with Lindsay and her laughing. She's going to explode. All right, we will continue on now. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role for Jimmy Stewart. I'm just going to keep going. Best Director for Frank Capra. Best Sound and Best Film Editing. It okay. did not win mm. any of those. No, it did not. The It lost... <laughs> it lost Best Picture <laughs> by, Mr. To, by Mr. Chips. It, no. I, I lied, it's there. No, it's, no, it's not. Okay. No, we, uh, we actually discussed this. We have discussed this because we have watched the movie that it lost to for almost every one of those categories. It is on this, I, it's on this list. Because it was 1946, we were in the war. What movie did we delve d- watch that would dealt with World War II and people oh, hold coming on. Best home? Best years of our lives. Yes. Okay. It lost. Hey, I'm pretty good yes. that I remembered that. It lost Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor to the Best Years of Our okay. Lives, which bums me out. But then again, but you know, it's you, a wonderful life is way higher on the list than the Best exactly. Years of Our Lives. I mean, you look at it, and again, this this goes back to what we've already discussed: the idea that it was. You look at at the time, you had a movie that dealt with vets coming home yeah. from the war, which is important. That is that at the time very much more important than than <sighs> It's a Wonderful house. Life, which was just a silly, not a silly, which was just a little Christmas, like a little moral movie. It's a yeah. morality movie, basically, yeah. compared to people coming home. So my stomach hurts from laughing so you hard now. Should not have laughed. Oh my god, it, was so, <laughs> it wasn't even that funny. It's just when things like just hit me the right oh, way, yeah. and then I you. You've seen me laugh like this in this very room. It was when Karen told the story about things she finds on the floor yes, at work. Yes, which I <laughs> s- still never got the joke, the joke in that at all. I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's not. No. All right. Um, mm, I needed that. That was good. I'm glad you feel better now. The film. <laughs> My serotonin levels are refilled. I'm good. The film was entered into the National Film Registry in 1990. Good. 
Like so, the year after it started? Yep, it was 89. Look, what? It is 3, 4 o'clock in the, 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> it's getting later. <laughs> it was 3, 4, 4.30. It's I, 7 p.m. <laughs> oh, I'm late for what I need to be at, <laughs> Yeah, you need to go somewhere. I need to go. All right, so that is all that I have for awards. The technology, not really much, guys. Sorry. No. It's, it's, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. They used, I actually have I was gonna say, something technological. Are you talking not about technological. the snow? No. Oh, well, the snow they used was back in the day when they used the soap. And the foam. Which is why the river's all foamy. Yeah. Because it's snowing. It's it's soap. It's like yeah. bubbles. And that's why... It's that's soap wh- flakes. That's why it doesn't melt on his... Uh, Shoulder. Shoulders. In Mr. Potter's office. But as you brought up, he could be like Scrooge. He yeah. could have the heat turned way down, so... All right. How would the bookkeeping staff like to finally find itself... Fi- suddenly find and itself unemployed? Heat wave! Oi! He sees my island, island in the sun. Oi! Oi! Wrong Christmas movie. <laughs> Dude, if we should watch <laughs> that should be the Christmas episode. It's not gonna be. Oh. Spoiler alert, we're not watching Muppet Christmas Carol. Not at all. Okay, because no, I'll just be a big weepy mess the whole time. As it was, you wanted to turn I had it. I was on my, on my I screen. I know, Jeff was in his Christmas movie folder and I'm like, let's watch that one just real quick, just for a minute. Just a little bit, just the tip. Just the, the tip just of the, the Muppet, Muppet Christmas Carol. But the thing is, okay, this is just becoming so not family. We're done. There's <laughs> the tip of the iceberg of the Muppet Christmas Carol. There you go. That's better. I am refraining from commenting how okay. I was going to say. So please continue. Trivia. Go. I love Jimmy Stewart. That's that trivia is... fact number one. <laughs> okay. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, I love Jimmy Stewart. It's very Leslie Nopish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel about Jimmy Stewart the way Leslie Note feels about Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay. The way the that gym, I feel about Donna Reed. Yeah. The gym floor that opens up to reveal a swimming pool was real and was located at Beverly Hills High School in Los Angeles. I have not been to Beverly Hills. I've been to the high school that's like a block away from Grauman's, which is weird, by the way. For the scene that required Donna Reed to throw a rock into the window of the Granville house, Frank Capra hired a marksman to shoot it out for her on cue. To everyone's amazement, Donna Reed broke the window with true aim and heft without the assistance of the hired marksman. Reed had played baseball in high school and had a strong throwing arm. That's awesome. Uh Uh-huh. That's why I love her. (laughs) As Uncle Billy is leaving George's house drunk, it sounds as if he stumbles over some trash cans on the sidewalk. In fact, a crew member dropped some equipment right after Uncle Billy left the screen. Both actors continued with the scene, I'm all right, I'm all right, (laughs) as Frank and director Frank Capra decided to use it in the final cut. He gave the clumsy stagehand a $10 bonus for improving the sound. Nice. Inflation Nation, that. Inflation Nation! Oh, this is 46. I gotta change everything. <laughs> the film was a flop when the play, when it played in theaters in 1946, but didn't they release it in the middle of the summer? Uh, what, is a Wonderful Life? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was right on that page that normally tells me. No, January 7th. Oh, okay. But well, it would right have been post-Christmas, Christmas, yeah. so it's like, you're not gonna go see a Christmas no. movie. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart has said that of all the films he made, this was his favorite. Frank Capper gave the, uh, I didn't mean to just totally step on that emotional moment. Frank Capra gave the sound hand or the, the stage hand one hundred and twenty two dollars. Nice, it's not bad. <laughs> okay, here's my technology. <gasps> the set for Bedford Falls was constructed in two months and was one of the longest sets that had ever been made for an American movie. It covered four acres of the RKO's Encino Ranch. It included seventy five stores and buildings, Main Street, Factory District, and a large residential and slum area. The Main Street was three hundred yards long, which is three whole city blocks. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. No, there is. It looks like they filmed it like on location. Like it doesn't say, look like a set. There is an actual Bedford Falls. Uh, yeah, because there are domain names. Because I remember looking this up. That is 
the it's www.therealbedfordfalls.com that every year celebrates It's a Wonderful Life. Nice. Because supposedly their town was what Bedford Falls was inspired, what the the set was inspired by. Okay. It doesn't look entirely like it, but I also feel now in the years since that movie became popular, Mm -hmm. they have slowly adapted their actual downtown to look like Bedford Falls. But you can go to Just like the Christmas Story House is a real place that is a museum, and you can go spend the night there. Oh, that's right. And they they run like a sweepstakes for you to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in the house, and I think they set it up exactly like it's supposed to be and stuff. Okay. Which yeah. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. That'd be really cool. I mean, it's in Illinois, I think. Oh, oh no, yeah. Indiana. It's in yeah, it's Indiana. It's not because yeah, I remember Indiana. looking it up. It's not that far away. No, it's not from us. Jimmy Stewart was nervous about the phone scene kiss between. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me get this yawn out. I'll be sharp. Okay. Two. Jimmy Stewart was nervous about the phone scene kiss because it was his first screen kiss since his return to Hollywood after the war. Under Frank Capra's watchful eye, Stewart filmed the scene in only one unrehearsed take, and it worked so well that part of the embrace was cut because it was too passionate to pass the censors. Damn. Mm -hmm. Crazy censors. Uh. You still silly. Don't ask me a why photograph of Jimmy Stewart at the age of six months donated by his parents was included in the Bailey home set. Oh. In the filming, in, while filming the scene where George prays in the bar, Jimmy Stewart had said that he was so overcome that he began to sob right then and there. Later, Frank Capra reframed the shot so it looked like a much closer shot than it actually filmed because he wanted to catch the expression on Stewart's face. Frank Capra has often said that this was his favorite of all his films. Reframing for those of you who may be a little confused by it is when they actually take the film stock and mm-hmm. they zoom in yep. to redo the shot. To reframe, basically the they shot. cropped it. Yeah, but they you can do that with film. I we you can actually still do it nowadays if you shoot at a high enough resolution. I actually had to do it for work yesterday uh, or two days ago, where you shoot at a high enough resolution, you can zoom in, and you don't lose the quality. So that's what they did. Sorry, I did not mean to jump on that. Jimmy Stewart cited George Bailey as being his favorite character. The part was originally developed at another studio with Cary Grant earmarked for the role. No. When Frank Capper inherited the project, he wrote, rewrote it to suit Jimmy Stewart. Yep. I'm sorry. I don't see anybody else in this role. Nope. Cary Grant, great actor. But no. But I can't picture him because I feel like Jimmy Stewart has the everyday. That's what he is. That's who he played. Like in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, he plays the everyday man. He plays, I feel like Jimmy Stewart could be just like one of us just hanging around like you know in real life yeah he just because he was an actor but he could be just somebody that you go to a bar with or you Mm -hmm. go and you get dinner with he's not a big time actor he is a big time actor the scene on the bridge where clarence saves george was filmed on a back lot on a day when the temperature was 90 degrees fahrenheit this is why jimmy stewart is visibly sweating in a few scenes makes sense Frank Capra filmed a number of sequences that were later cut. The only remnants are rare stills that have been unearthed. A a number of alternative endings were considered, with Capra's first script having George fall on his knees saying the Lord's Prayer. The script called for an opening scene with the townspeople in prayer. Feeling feeling an over-religious tone didn't have the emotional impact of family and friends coming to George's rescue, the closing scenes were rewritten. Two of the writers called the finished film horrid and refused to see it when it was released. The only one of Clifford Odette's ideas to appear in the finished script was George preventing Mr. Gower from poisoning a boy with the wrong vitamin pills. That's so weird. Films prior to this one used cornflakes painted white for the falling snow effect. Because the cornflakes were so loud, dialogue had to be dubbed in later. 
Frank Capper wanted to record the sound live, so a new snow effect was developed using foamite, a firefighting chemical, and soap and water. This mixture was then pumped at high pressure through a wind machine to create silent falling snow. 6,000 gallons of the new snow were used in the film. The RKO effects department received a Class 3 Scientific or Technical Award from the Motion Picture Academy for the development of new film snow. See? And that's and that's true. That's that's something funny that I found out through the history of looking up movies and how they in like special effects and such. It seems, or even equipment and technology, that it always comes out of the need of wanting to change how something is for a movie. So let's redo the camera. Let's figure out an easier way to move the camera around. Oh, let's figure out how to do a special effects shot better. That is generally where you get a lot of these changes from in our technology. And that's cool that that is from It's a Wonderful Life. Right. Hmm. You were going to say something. I feel. I, no, no, no. I'm laughing. You'll understand why I'm laughing. The Bedford Falls set made use of 20 transplanted oak trees, and for the winter scenes, 3,000 tons of shaped ice, 300 tons of gypsum, and th- 300 tons of plaster, and 6,000 gallons of the chemical previously mentioned. It made use of sets originally designed for Cimarron, which is not about a horse, <laughs> from 1931, and it had a working bank and a tree-lined center parkway. Pigeons, cats, and dogs were allowed to roam the mammoth set to give it a lived-in feel. Because the story covers different seasons and an alternate town, the set was extremely adaptable. Filming began on April 15, 1946, and ended on July 27, 1946, exactly on schedule for the 90-day deadline to shoot. The set was later raised in 1954, and only two locations survived. The gymnasium at Beverly Hills High School, which is still in operation today, and the Martini House at 4587 Vero Road in La Canada, Finteridge, California. Flintridge. Flintridge, sorry. I will La Canada, put a link. Flintridge, California. I'll put a link to the house okay. on the website. The film has two lines of secret dialogue spoken quietly through a door. They can be heard when amplifying the volume and are also explicitly deleted in closed captioning. The lines occur at the end of the scene set in Peter Bailey's private office with Bailey and his son George and Potter and his goon present. After George raves to Potter that you can't say that about my father, he is ushered out of the room by his father. Then George is shown standing outside the office door. At that moment, George overhears the following two lines of dialogue through the glass pane of the door behind him. Potter says, what's the answer? And Peter Bailey said, Potter, you just humiliated me in front of my son. This is Donna Reed's first starring role. Frank Capra estimated the film would be shot within 90 days. He was right, and the whole cast and crew threw a party to celebrate. (laughs) Lionel Barrymore convinced Jimmy Stewart to take the role of George, despite his feelings that he was not up to it so soon after World War II. Director trademark, Jimmy the Raven. This bird has appeared in all of Capra's movies after 1938. So that's why the Raven's there, because he's very predominantly featured. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I might be stealing some of your Inflation Nation a little bit. What? I know. The year that Potter offers George a $20,000 annual salary is unclear, but to but assuming the scene takes place in 1939, that amount is equivalent to $310,567 sorry, in 2010 dollars. It's a little bit more than that now. Yeah. 42 rings are heard over the course of the film, so if Clarence is right, 42 angels have gotten their wings. This was the first and last time that Frank Capper produced, financed, directed, and co-wrote one of his films. I think it paid off. In the version of this film, which aired on TV in the late 1950s and early 1960s, George Bailey, by phone, accuses the teacher of sending my kid home from school in the rain. 
In the most recent version aired on NBC in 2012, George's line is, you sent my kid home from school half naked. A quite stronger accusation, this would give the teacher's husband even more ample reason to take a poke at George as he later did in Nick's Tavern. So basically a justification Mm -hmm. to make it more logical. The only his film in history to originate from a greeting card. That's the thing. I, I have, when I found that out, I thought that was so flippant interesting because I never realized that this was based on a greeting card until, I don't know, like years into watching it. You ever know, did you know that they call Elkhorn the Christmas card town? You ever driven through Elkhorn in the winter and when we take that curve, we go past Moyes and then we go back towards, like if you're going, if you're going to yeah, go going past, like it. you're going to go through it like on 11, like yeah. you're driving through and you go left and then you take the next right. Yeah. There's that little wooden like, Christmas card village sort oh, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, So our friends that live in Elkhorn, Sarah and Andrew, yeah. um, the street they live on, um, most of the houses built on that street were built by Hallmark to use in their Christmas cards up until like 19 So that's something. why they're all that's very why, mm-hmm, like if you ever, old school. Next time we have to go to Elkhorn for anything, we'll take a trip down their street. And I was noticing it because we were walking to pick up food from somewhere. And I'm like, man, a lot of these houses are just like adorably cute. Yeah. That's why. Yep, thought that was interesting. In 2004, the Not BBC... To anybody else but no. us. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> in 2004, the BBC TV listings magazine Radio Times conducted a poll into the best film to never have won an Oscar. It's a Wonderful Life came in second. Shawshank Redemption was first. I do agree with both of those. I agree with that, too. According to an interview with Carolyn Grimes, the actress who played Zuzu, the name Zuzu comes from Zuzu Ginger Snaps. George makes a reference to this near the end of the movie when he says to Zuzu at the top of the stairs, Zuzu, my little ginger snap. Aww. Pharmacist Gower's son's death at college is attributed to influenza in the telegram that young George reads, dated May 3rd, 1919. This was the year when the Spanish flu pandemic spread on filthy battlefields of the First World War claimed millions of lives around the world. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, no! Lindsay, what did you do? I closed the trivia. Why did you close the trivia? I don't know, Batman. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting there. Hold uh, Okay. We're back. Despite <laughs> being set around Christmas, it was filmed during a heat wave, and it got to be so hot that Frank Capra have to get, had to give everyone a day off to recuperate. <laughs> this film is one of the five times Beulah Bondi portrays Jimmy Stewart's mother, as we said in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. The Indeed. others are the previously mentioned movie of Human Hearts and A Vivacious Lady in 1938, and both of those from 1938, and The Identity Crisis in 1971. After the film was finished, it was broadcast coast to coast by CBS and in other parts of the world by the State Department. It premiered at the Globe Theater in New York for a benefit for the Boys Club. And many people loved it and watched it over and over. Although not a box office success, it became an immensely popular Christmas classic. It basically became a cult film, mm-hmm. is what it really because generally movies that are that tank at the box office and have become popular post all are technically cult films or cult classics, and that's really what this movie is. According to Robert J. Anderson, who played young George Bailey, H.B. Mm-hmm. Warner, who plays Mr. Gower, really was drunk during the scenes where Gower slaps George. Warner's slaps were real and caused real blood to come from Anderson's ear. After the scene was finished, Warner hugged and comforted Anderson. Damn. Granted, please remember I'm reading these from IMDb, so everything must be taken with a grain of salt. Ranked as the number one most powerful movie of all time by the AFI. 
Most powerful. Like emotionally powerful, I'm sure. Frank Capra strove to make scenes as real as he could for actors. Thus, the first kiss between Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed was shot at the same time as the other end of the phone conversation with Sam Wainwright on the different set at the RKO Path Studio. I cannot find that list. Okay. Clarence's boss named Franklin in the novelization, presumably named after recently dead hero president Franklin D. Roosevelt, mentions the greatest gift in one of the opening scenes. This was the title of the 1944 story which inspired the film. Originally ended with Ode to Joy and not Old Lang Syne. That would have been weird. That would have been very weird. Debuted a week after William Wyler's The Best Years of Our Lives, which explained why this movie was a disappointment at the box office and the Academy Awards. Capra, you should have premiered it on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. Yeah. A week after. This was January 7th. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. It would have been December 31st then, wouldn't it? No. Yeah. I can't do math. Never mind. There are several (laughs) examples of product placement in Gower's Drugstore. Lindsay closed something. (laughs) No, I bumped. I had a notification. I opened that. And the Drugstore. Drugstore. Coca-Cola. Patterson Tobacco Pipes, La Unica Cigars, Camel Cigarettes, Lucky Strike Cigarettes, Chesterfield Cigarettes, Vaseline Hair Tonic, Penetro Cough Syrup, Pepto-Bismol, Bayer Aspirin for Colds and Influenza, and the Saturday Evening Post. Lucky Strike. That's one that used to sponsor Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm old-time radio shows. Okay. That's why I said, ah, oh, Lucky Strike, it, it, I don't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't like, oh, yeah, Lucky Strike, I've totally dr- smoked that, totally drank that stuff. Yep. Yeah, I'll just put that in my glass If and it was an it. alcohol, we would have drank it. Ah, uh, we probably would have. <laughs> the story spans 27 <laughs> years from 1919 to 1946. So they're saying it goes to 46. Everything online was pointing out that it was Christmas of 45. Lindsay. I was going to tell you to breathe, but you're already doing that. In 1947, an FBI analyst submitted, without comment, an addition in an addition to a running memo on communist infiltration of the motion picture industry, recording the opinion of an industry source who said that the film's obvious attempt to discredit bankers is a common trick used by communists. Yay, communism! Yeah. That's this just... movie is communist, count me as a communist. You hear that, the NSA? <laughs> No, because they're all too old to care. Jimmy Stewart's performance as George Bailey is ranked number eight on Premier's Magazine's 100 Greatest Performances of All Time. Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed reprised their roles on a radio, on radio first on the Lux Radio Theater and then on Camel Screen Guild Theater. In the Lux version, instead of putting Zuzu's pedals in his pocket, George has a bell that Zuzu liked to play with. The Lux version aired in March. The Screen Guild version aired on December 29th. I think... For some reason, I feel like you can download that radio show. I think it's on the Internet Archive. Vincent Price was considered for the part of Mr. Potter. That would have been weird. (laughs) Both Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed came from small towns. Stewart from Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Reed from Denison, Iowa. She demonstrated her rural roots by winning an impromptu bet with Lionel Barrymore when he challenged her to milk a cow on set. The... What is with <laughs> old Hollywood? I love old Hollywood. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Gloria Graham was cast as Violet Bick after MGM casting director Billy Bill Grady showed some of her screen tests to Frank Capra. At three hundred, or sorry, three point seven million, this was a very expensive independent production. It is its initial box office run only earned three point three million. According to actor and producer Sheldon Leonard, said in an interview 
Uh, sorry, actor and producer Sheldon Leonard said in an interview that the only reason he agreed to play Nick the bartender in this film was so he could have money to buy Dodger baseball tickets. <laughs> Voted as the number one inspirational film of all time at AFI's 100 Years, 100 Cheers. Oh. Okay. Keep going, and then yep. I, gotta, I gotta do something real quick. This movie was originally slated for a 1947 release, but when Technicolor was unable to deliver prints in time for RKO's Christmas Time 1946 release of Sinbad the Sailor, Frank Capra's film was rushed into theaters. The tiles were not reshot, thus it bears a 1947 copyright. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I actually have two things we need to discuss. Okay. I'm... Some of this stuff repeats itself, so... This is not a fantasy movie. Stop saying it. I, I, I feel like they're calling it a fantasy movie because of There's the There's no holiday? Well, because... I, I feel like it's because... Like, technically, A Christmas Carol can be classified as fantasy. Yeah, Because I it's guess. the whole ghosts and... Or this is an angel, and that's not what I'm trying to compare it to. But the whole idea that he... Ba- basically, Clarence took George to an alternate dimension where he did not exist. Apparently, um, Bert and Ernie are not named after Bert and Ernie. I remember hearing sad. that. That it was a coincidence or something. Yeah, it is just though. coincidence. Like, Jim Henson, like, had no memory for detail, apparently. It would never have remembered. Like, he liked the movie, apparently, but it never would have remembered that, that that's what that was. The two it's cops just were coincidence, yeah. Hey, Obert. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, one of the film's posters shows an illustrated George holding Mary in the air, but that never happens in the film. That's the poster that's on the website right now. No, it's not Home Alone, Lindsay. Lindsay? 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 There is uh, a reference to uh, Home Alone references this uh, movie twice. There's always clips of Clarence saying Home Alone. It's always on the TV, apparently, in the first two. Also, um... Yeah, as you pointed out, George was born in 1907, which is a year before Jimmy Stewart was born. Yep. I actually pointed that out off air, I do believe. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this. There's lots and lots. George and Mary backed up five times before falling in the pool. (laughs) The ball on the stairs comes off in George's hand three times. And that is referenced in uh, Christmas Vacation. That's why Chevy Chase oh, chainsaws. Okay. That's what I said. Ah, fix, fix the Newell Post. Yeah. Was because that's... I thought you were like misquoting Modern Family. Oh, no. I've never seen Modern Family. I Don't yell at me. That's fine. It was good and then I kind of lost interest. <laughs> it was good and then I didn't care. All right. Little Violet catches Mary bouquet sh- Mary's bouquet. She never gets married. Oh. Well, not that we know of. That's true. <laughs> All right. Why don't you pick like one or two more? That's it. That's it? That's enough. All right. So two things. Oh, also, never po- Mr. Potter is never caught as a thief who embezzles $8,000, which he apparently gets to keep. This is very unusual for an American Hayes Office Code-approved film in the day when the board almost always compi- compelled movies to show the criminal being punished or at least being deprived of all loot by the end of the picture. That's true. He is... Uh... But they never explain the whole fact that they're in bed together, technically. <laughs> you want to explain that real quick? Yeah. So, okay, so the whole production code, which we I know we've discussed this. I know we discussed this on um, mm-hmm. It Happened One Night, right? It Happened One Night. We've talked about it several times, I think, uh, actually. But the whole concept that, you know, back then, you said it was, what, from 36 to 64? 
five or sixty-eight, something like that. Yeah. The whole idea that you know you're not supposed to show you're not supposed to show two people in bed together. Yeah, like, there it was needs to be two rules. separate beds. Unless there's two people in bed together. If there's two people in bed together, one person has to have a foot on the floor. Right. And then, but I don't think Frank Capper really agreed with the Hays Code. No. So. And at one point, Jimmy Stewart uh, is in bed with Donna. He lays down. It's where, I, it's where she announces mm-hmm. that she's pregnant. Yeah. Um, we feel like, uh, we basically feel like it was just, it was Frank Capper just being like, ah, screw yeah. you. We don't care. You this know. movie dropped nine places. Well, those people are stupid. It was number 11. AFI stupid. <laughs> Let's get to the top 20 and then start bashing the, the list that we've been You mess with The Wonderful Life, you mess with me. So, okay. So, you mess with the Jimmy Stewart movie, you mess with me. You mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier regarding the fact that the show, or the movie became uh, a, a, it radio was a radio show. show. Yeah. That radio play is still performed today. Is it really? It is performed all over the place. Is it I am really? posting a link to all the 2014 productions Is it always it. done at Christmas? Yep. Nice. It's generally, like Arkansas, for whatever reason, did it October 3rd through 11th. Okay. Well, um, it normally, it's at a lot of universities. That's where they, they perform it. Oh, okay. Uh, That's wonderful. Guess what? what? It's going to be formed in Wisconsin. Where? Uh, Parkside. No! Really? <laughs> yeah. The college that... Uh, Lindsay went to oh, that's is, lovely. is doing it uh, December. I'm super busy that whole week. That's yeah. the week before my huge Christmas concert. So just saying, though, I'm going to post Aww. a link to this on the Aww. page as well. So in case you guys really like this and you would like to see the radio performance of it, uh, there's they have was hear the radio performance. Of it? Well, you go to it. Oh, okay. It's it's a it's a show you go to and gotcha. then they perform it. Oh, it's it. probably Fresh Ink. They're probably doing it in the black box. Those are words that Those mean are nothing words to that anyone mean, who didn't deal with theater nope. in college. So there's two people listening yep. right now that I no uh, this, but this list has like Wisconsin, Virginia, Utah, Texas, Tennessee, South Dakota. Like there's a ton of different places. Where in South Dakota? Uh, Pierre and Hot Springs. Oh, okay. Uh, but generally, it's all around um, uh, in in the month of December for okay. the most part of them, or for the most part, yeah, uh, they are all that way. So if you guys want to check out, take a gander at that, too, go ahead. That's one. Number two, uh, the 100 greatest performances of all time. Yep. We'll do the top 10 real quick. Okay. Please don't um, make me guess. I'm not going to make you guess. Okay. Number 10 is Robert De Niro in Raging Bull, which okay. we haven't we gotten, haven't to, gotten yet. to that yet. Number nine, Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, it is. Number eight is Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. Number seven is Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy. Okay. Uh, oh, number, Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, Rizzo. Uh, number six is James Cagney in Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay. On this list. Yep. It. Number five is Betty Davis in All About Eve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> number four is Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. Which is not on the list. I love that movie. I've never seen it. We're going to skip number three. Number two what is... What is number three? It's Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. <laughs> My vision just vibrated. <laughs> Uh, only kid. Number two is Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront. Which is our next movie. Uh, and then finally, number one is Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia. Which we haven't gotten to Which yet. we haven't gotten to yet. So that's a... Uh, I agree with all that list but one. <laughs> that's why I was going to skip number three. Actually, you know, I don't dislike her, her acting. I just hate good. the story. It's yes, stupid. her performance was good, so it's not a problem. Not so, all right. the biggest Meryl Streep fan either. But now that we're at me. 42 minutes, yep. <laughs> let me do... All of my stuff, okay. and then we'll have any final discussions. Okay. I don't think there needs to be much discussion about how much I love this movie, and I cried. There was a couple little things I just wanted to quickly mention. Oh, yeah, we should talk about the weird, weird yes, thing. The weird, weird thing, thing. My weird criticism. Um, And then my comment about how I want the ending to be. <laughs> yes. And how you ruined it. I'm in the middle of bawling over my fav- one of my favorite movies. And I'm cracking and you're up laughing. laughing. It's brilliant. All right. Stuff and things with Jeff.
Okay, Jeff. Number one. No, don't dive into the pool in your tux. You'll ruin your phone. Wait, Wait a, minute. a minute. That doesn't happen then. Number two, right after George yells at Mr. Potter at the bank and loan, after his father died, the sound effect of the door shutting is the same sound that AIM AOL, used. That AOL used for their instant messenger. Yes, whenever somebody got offline, yep. it is literally the, the same, same sound so effect. So they stole it. Yes. Which is hilarious, as the thousands of Aim times... Stole, AOL stole it, yes. not It's a Wonderful Life. We're not that dumb. No, no, see, 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 what happened is It's a Wonderful Frank Capra went into the future. It went is. 50 years into the future, stole the sound effect and went, I need to use this, but I need to put it in the middle of the movie where no one's going to ever notice. Aliens. Aliens. Number three, Harry is kind of a dick. He is a little bit. He had his wedding and didn't invite... Anyone from his family. And screwed over his brother. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Number four, look at all that rice. So many dead birds. All the birds. All the birds are dead. And finally, George has the worst timing of anyone I have ever seen, ever. He got married on Um, Black Monday. Yeah. (laughs) Why they got married on a Monday? That's weird. (laughs) It's Bedford Falls. You don't really do much in that town. All right. Inflation Nation. So there's a couple different years because this movie does jump around time a little bit. Yep. I have specifically stated on the website the years that they take place in, except for the last four I'm looking and I just realized that. Okay. All those took place in, I assumed, it, or uh, it's all 1945. Yep. Because that's, that's when... That's the Christmas Eve part yeah. of 1945. Because on the bank, when Uncle Billy goes to donate the money or to uh, uh, to deposit the money, the, the teller's piece of paper specifically states that it's December 24th, 1945. Right. So, all right, here we go. $2,000. Is the amount that George and Mary have for their wedding uh, honeymoon mm-hmm. uh, in 1929 that is the equivalent to $27,839. That is an amazing honeymoon. Uh, number it's like two, what it costs to get married. Yeah, exactly. And that was going to be their honeymoon and vacationing and stuff. Uh, $242 is the amount that Tom... Uh, one of the, this is the one of the patrons. These next couple are from the people who are uh, members of the bank and loan who are getting their money out of the bank. Okay. $242 is the amount that Tom has of the savings and loan. That's the equivalent to $3,300. $300 is the amount that Ed has in his account. That's $4,100. He, however, agrees to take only $20. That's $278. That's still a lot of money, but to live on. You know, how do you know how long it's going to be? It could be a month or so, so $300 to live on is actually not that much. But still. Uh, 1750 is the amount that Miss Davis says she'll take. That's the equivalent to $243. Okay. Uh, $2 is the amount that George and the savings and loan have left at the end of the day. That is the equivalent to $27.84. So they had 30 bucks left. Okay. All right, so now we jump up in time a little bit to 1939. Uh, this is kind of what I estimated a little bit because this is a little iffy. Uh, we don't really know when this happens, but right. $20,000 is the amount that Mr. Potter offers to pay George per year to work for him instead of the savings and loan. Mm-hmm. That is the equivalent in 2000 in now. 1939 to 2000 now. To, yeah, to 2004, yeah, 2000 now and 2014 is the equivalent to $342,000. So you said it was like 310 in 2010 yeah. or 312 in 2010. So in the last four years, it's gone up almost 30 grand. So yeah, still, he was offering him $342,000 a year. I read this already. That is ridiculous. Right. 
All right, so now we're going to jump to 1945. $8,000 is the amount that Uncle Billy loses at the bank that he was going to deposit. That is the equivalent to $105,000. This is why George was upset when he found uh-huh. out Uncle Billy. You're like, you mentally, you watch this movie and you're like, oh, it's eight grand. Yes, you would be upset about eight grand, but I feel like you wouldn't be that upset. Like, George was gone upset but if you lost a hundred thousand dollars i'm i'm pretty sure you would be upset i completely understand george now um fifteen thousand dollars is the amount of the life insurance policy that george has on him that's the equivalent of a hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars five hundred dollars is the amount george would get in cash value for his life insurance that's sixty six hundred dollars and then finally twenty five thousand dollars is the max amount that matt that sam wainwright was willing to give george at the end he haw Three hundred and thirty. I did the ear. You did. Lindsay did the ear thing. That is the equivalent of three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So much money. So all basically, money. as and that's the last one I have. So basically, at the end, all the town could, ta- as I said, all the town could have taken back their money because Sam yeah. Wainwright was willing to cover whatever George needed for the bail, uh, the savings and loan. Right. Almost four times over <laughs> what he needed. Right. So it's 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 crazy. Or four times. Three times, sorry, yeah, three a times lot over. Times. A lot more over. Um, real quick, let's go back briefly to the life insurance. This goes into my little bit of tri- my little bit of uh, comments that I want to talk about. I touched it. Stop touching it because that gets picked up. That's weird. Uh, weird thing said on the microphone when people can't see you. That. Um, okay, so the the uh, at the end, and this was something that I never ever realized until watching this movie today. It finally clicked for whatever reason. Right. But Mr. Potter. Obviously, Mr. Potter had the money. He had the $8,000 that Uncle Billy lost. He was more or less, because he's the one that says the comment to George about how you're more dead than you are, or you're worth more dead than you are alive. Yep. That, you can see it in George uh, George's eyes at that point. That's when he realizes, I can die. Like, I, sh- I he should kill himself. That's yeah. almost like the moment where he starts it's thinking horrible. about it. Because if he dies, his family's going to... There's going to be $200,000. Half that money is going to go to the the savings and loan to building save... Alone. Or buildings and loan. Building and loan. To save them. To save the company. And the other half would go towards his family. His family would get almost a hundred grand. Yeah. But so, Bailey would be dead. And but would he'd be, be dead. dead. But I never consciously realized... That and then like to be like oh I'm gonna call for a warrant on your arrest and like all this stuff it was all part of Mr. Potter's plan to either get George to kill himself or if that fell through to at least get him arrested and I, and I realized yes he called the warrant you know the people at the end but I never really understood that it he almost purposely was pushing George like almost kind of nudging him going maybe you should kill yourself. You know, maybe you right. should do it, you know, but he probably knew George wouldn't because he wasn't that type of person because mm-hmm. uh, he knew then if, if that was the case, then yes, the money would go, the building alone, and then they would survive and he would be ticked. But then they wouldn't have a leader. They wouldn't have somebody in charge of it. So I just I thought that was a very interesting little um, little side thing right. that I never, uh, never, never really noticed much uh, the previous hundreds of times that I've watched this or thousands of times that I've watched this. Um, your thing. Your thing you make a comment about. My issue. Your issue with the movie. Keep in mind, we love this movie. I love this movie. Like, there are no words for how much I love this no. movie. Like, I cried twice, I think. Cried legitimate tears out of my eyes at the end and then teared up, like, all through the stupid movie. I mean stupid that out of love. Stupid movie. <laughs> I did it. I touched the thing again. You touched. Stop sorry, touching it. Sorry. My only issue with this movie, 
no one but George <laughs> Bailey ages, and then they age him too much. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Mr. Gower doesn't age. No. Mr. Potter doesn't age. Peter Bailey is too old and then doesn't age. <laughs> the, the, um, the principal at the school. I'm assuming that's the principal, the guy who shows up to George when they're at the dance and is yeah. like, it's a good idea you did that. He shows yeah. up at the end, too. Yep, doesn't age. Annie doesn't Annie age. Annie never ages. Mrs. Bailey doesn't age. Mary doesn't age. <laughs> no George, one. on the other George hand. George ages, and it's funny because... He was supposed to be 38 be- at the end of this movie. And he looks like he's supposed to be 50 he at the does. end of this. <laughs> and Jimmy Stewart was only a year younger yeah. than he was supposed to be in the yep. movie. <laughs> Just like, why did you... What? I mean, you could argue that George looks like that because he's had a lot of stress in his life. But and still, that age, no but one, a- no one, B- Harry doesn't, Harry, no, one no one ages. ages. Apparently, the- Bedford Falls is where the Fountain of Youth is. Good to know. Apparently. We need to move to Bedford Falls, Burn, apparently. donate, like, they didn't take that into account <laughs> at all. That is my only thing with this movie. And I just discovered it this time around watching yes. it. And then the other thing, um... Just as a as as a real quick, because I already went through. Oh yeah, no, no, I gotta do my thing. I want some. I hell, I might even do it myself. I want a, a fan edit of the ending of this movie. Where, oh yeah, where, where George looks over because he, everyone like comes back. Everyone comes back, and I, I started making the count of like, oh look, there's Dad. Oh, he's been dead for ten years. Yeah, like, and I'm like, what if George like looked over during the cellar, like when everyone's singing, and then he sees Peter's Force Ghosts fade in, yep. standing next to Yoda and Obi Wan. <laughs> That, for whatever reason, hit me so hard as being hilarious, but I want to see that fan edit now, and I really almost want to make it myself. So if I end up making it myself, I will... Oh, God, please don't, Jeff. I will post it online. He's going to do it, and I'm going to be sad, because I was bawling at the end of this movie. Not bawling, but I'm like, I'm not crying, I'm not crying, I'm not crying. I avoid emotion by coming up funny things. Oh, and I'll post it online, and I'll like I'll label it as like a uh, like a recently found deleted alternate ending. Yeah, from it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I am hilarious. Sorry, guys, I can't help it. That is just funny to me. Uh, no, so real quick, we're gonna wrap it up. But real quick, I feel like why this movie works nowadays. You made yes. the comment this movie still works. Yes, a lot of the topics because people's houses still get foreclosed and people still have money problems and there's and still war still, and yep, there's it's all everything is still terrible. And that I feel like I feel like what makes this movie really good. Why why do you? I feel like what makes it good is that the fact that it's like Chinatown, where everything that's in this movie happens. Is there for a specific reason? Yeah. There's not really a lot of extra fluff. No, it kind of just it keeps like every scene has a purpose. It will either have a callback later or it will connect into the next right. scene and keep the story moving. I don't know why I love this movie so much. I was to say, do you know? Why? I don't know. I think it's a Christmas. A, it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. B, it's got Jimmy Stewart in it. C, it breaks my little heart in half, but then puts it back together again at the end. See, and that's the it's thing. Just, uh, See, I think that's why I, I like it so much. Because it puts the viewer, you follow George, and they make George go way down, like way farther than an average person would go. It's so sad. So it gets you to a really dark, depressed place. The dude is going to kill himself. I just get sad. He's He's going to kill himself. He's going to kill himself to help save his family. Right. But that's that's the thing. He's trying to save his uncle from getting in trouble because his uncle is just 
Scatterbrain. He knows Uncle Billy is scatterbrain. And that's the thing. Is that make me start crying again. The movie makes George be, they put him in such a dark, completely selfless, selfless, selfless yes. like yes. situation, and then brings it back again and makes you be happy again. And that's why I love it. That is why I, I love it. cry at the end. Yes. Hmm. It's a great film because of that reason. Also, quick side note for any of you who were listening to the quote at the beginning of this movie and you wondered why it was in a different language. Are you really going to do I'm that? I'm totally doing okay. that. That's hap- that. That happened. Okay. <laughs> um, that is my reference to Home Alone. Okay. So, because they watch why the movie Phoebe, in different languages. Why is Phoebe holding Carl Mulder? <laughs> Sorry. All right, kiddos. That is the end for this episode this or this 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 movie. movie. We are we are moving into the top twenty. Number nineteen next yep. week. Number nineteen on our list is on the waterfront from nineteen fifty four, a non rated hour forty eight crime drama. An ex prize fighter turns longshoreman struggles to stand up to his corrupt union bosses. Directed by Ilya Kazan, starring Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. I was El Pacino. I was trying to do Marlon Brando, that didn't work so and much. I made me Al Pacino. The irony behind that's kind of weird. Uh, uh, could have been we're gonna do a, uh, could have been contender. Actually, I could have been a contender. From could have been a contender. This, from this movie. Yes. This upcoming movie. Well, uh, I look. I've never seen it on the waterfront. Me neither. I'm. Interested. I've seen some of it. I've, I've seen, seen the, the first five minutes. I've seen the clip that that line is yeah, from. Yeah, I've seen the beginning. <laughs> so that's Excellent. not it. Excellent. Well, everybody, I hope everyone's enjoying the middle of November. Yay! This We're almost to Thanksgiving. Gets, yes, almost Thanksgiving. I am excited for food and Christmas. Me too. So, it'll be our last Christmas on the podcast, Lindsay. Now I'm sad. Shut that up. That was a weird noise I made. Okay, everybody, goodbye, everybody. Look how goodbye. it goes. Um, we <laughs> forgot a whole bunch of stuff. I keep track. I keep you on your toes. I make sure that you remember. I was putting stuff. my iPad away. <laughs> Lindsay. Don't rob me of my Jimmy Stewart moments. Do your Jimmy it's Stewart. It's all uphill from here, kids. He never said that. No, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Good night, Radio Raheem. Say good night, CK Dexter. Hey, bud. Clarence. Don't get off the boat. Don't get off the boat, man. Don't get off the boat, Clarence. Clarence, man. The man. tigers are gonna eat you, man. 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 Okay. Force ghost Peter Bailey. <laughs> He's a Jedi. <laughs> no one knew. Uh, Shut Even it down. him, he didn't Shut know. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. The force will be strong with you, George. That was my only one impersonation. Uh, fair enough. What do you want from me? It's Leave fine. me alone. Merry freaking Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> a month early. A month and a week early. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. I like the ending.